Hello everyone, it's Heath with the Music Technology Teacher Network, www.mutechteachernet.com. And I'm really excited to bring this next podcast episode to you. I don't get to publish very many podcast episodes because most of my time is spent, well, being a middle school music technology teacher. But when I release a podcast episode, you got to know that it's going to be good. And I'm really excited about this one. Every year at my school, we have career day where people come in from the community and talk to our students about real life work and careers. This year, I had a really super special guest. His name is Kenny Bartolome, and he goes by Barto. And Kenny is a professional music producer working with a production group called the Justice League. He's worked with most of the top hip-hop artists of the last 15 years, including Mary J. Blige, for whom he won a Grammy Award as part of the Justice League, Drake, Rick Ross, and many, many others. The audio for this podcast was recorded live in my classroom while Kenny was visiting with my students. It was an amazing experience for my students, and he did a great job communicating with them. He stayed with us all day long and actually talked to my 6th, 7th, and 8th grade students, which was really, really generous and amazing for him to do that. So I hope you enjoy Barto's visit with McConnell Middle School's Music Technology students. Welcome to McConnell. So help me say thank you for being here. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we just start at the beginning, even from when you were like their age? When did you know you were into music? Like, how did you first get into music? Um, I'll take it all the way back to when I was maybe five, six, seven. Uh, my my upbringing was in the church. And uh, my, my father was the music director at our church. My mother was the ladies ministry director at our church. And my father was the choir director at our church. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, some Fridays, and every Sunday, I'd be at church. Well, what did they have at church? In almost every room was a, was a piano or a keyboard. And um, I just found myself uh, being, you know, being attracted to that, you know, just, you know, having something to do while mom and dad are doing their thing. I'm just tinkering around on the piano. And before I knew it, I was putting together little melodies and stuff. And um, yeah, so I mean, before long, I I ended up playing in the church (laughs) band. And uh, that's kind of how I got my start as a as a keyboardist. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, from there, yeah, I became interested in saxophone and uh, drums and things like that. And um, so, uh, yeah, picked up the sax when I was ten, and uh, I wouldn't, I didn't, never put it down. I studied that hard. I, you know, took private lessons uh, with, uh, with great, great instructor. Uh, and uh, did you have any like school band or? Yeah, I mean, Cor- from, from the moment it was offered, yeah, uh, sixth grade, sixth grade uh, school band. I started there, and I was already, I had already picked up saxophone the year prior, private lessons. And uh, the band director said, hey, man, we just, uh, we just got this new baritone saxophone. You want to try it? I was like, yeah, let's go. So I was playing baritone sax in the, although my sax I had at home was an alto, uh, 
I played baritone in, in the sixth grade band, then went on to seventh grade band, then eighth grade band, then ninth grade, tenth grade. I was in, by the time I was in tenth grade, I was in wind ensemble, jazz band, and marching band. So music just always had a hold on me, for sure. Yeah. So outside of, uh, you know, the music you were hearing in the church, and then, you know, when you do high school band, uh, sort of comes from a classical background in jazz, was were there other kind of music that you were listening to, like on the radio, that you were really attracted to when you were younger? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, some of the some of the older older now, uh, like R and B groups. I mean, Boys to Men and New Edition. Some of those guys, like back in the nineties, were like really putting stuff together that like caught my ear because of their use of harmony. So they would they would. You know, when you start learning music, you learn about the one, the three, and the five. You know, so that's the, the you know, C-E-G. But they were doing stuff that was like C-E-G-D-B. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? You know, um, it's, uh, I think it was the more like harmonically rich, um, musically interesting stuff that really caught my ear. So the R&B stuff, but then my dad was a big jazz fusion fan so i mean when i was a lot of my a lot of my peers were listening to uh nas and jay-z and um you know nelly and whatever i was listening to chick korea and stanley clark and guys like that so i was a bit of an oddball with my musical taste but i loved it all i mean radiohead you know red hot chili peppers it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, when you have a well-crafted, well-put-together piece of music, it's, it's all, when you learn how to really appreciate it, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. So anything from opera to death metal, sign me up. Cool, cool. <laughs> so, like, through all of that, when did you start to discover this piece of actually recording something? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when did you start to get into sort of the technical technology end of this music stuff? Well, I, I mean, I came in, so I, I, my interest started at a time when, when computers were just starting to be used uh, to record music. When I started gaining interest in, in, in recording and production, professionals were using ADAT machines and 24-track tape machines, you know, machines that had to be synced together in order to work and print on a piece of tape. And it was a it was a different thing and and uh, but I ended up getting my hands on a piece of software called Cakewalk, and I and I saved up eighty bucks mowing lawns to buy a PC from one of the ladies that went to my church, and at that point I was like, because I knew I kind of wanted to start putting music together at that point. That was probably like thirteen. So yeah, that that was the age, and then we had a family friend who had since I was born, before I was born, was a professional in the music industry, had his own studio, and he's the one who actually gave me that software and was like, here, how's, here's how you use it. There's a MIDI track, and there's an audio track. You can do it, you can split it off into this, you can create buses, you can create auxes, things like that. To me, it was like mumbo jumbo, but then when I started using it, I was like, okay, I get it. Okay, I'm recording this too loud. That's why it's distorted. That's what distortion is. Okay, okay. You know, so I began to pick up on things um, around 13, 14. That's when I 
really started getting interested. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of these students, uh, you know, they'll soon be in high school and you start, and already, uh, it seems like today they start talking to you guys like in elementary school about your career paths and stuff. It's pretty early to start figuring it out. But, you know, once you get to high school and you start reaching that 11th, 12th grade year, now it's like, okay, what am I going to do next? So as you're like getting to that period, what decisions came up then? Like, when did you figure out that you were going to try to do this music production thing as a career or like what came after high school like that got you finally into that business? Well, during high school, I was playing out with a lot of different bands and, you know, just got my musical chops up. And, um, uh, you know, through that, I, I began to meet people that were in, on the recording side of things and uh, was lucky enough to find myself in, in various studios as a keyboardist or, you know, like being, you know, I definitely took advantage of the fact that I was, I, I had a, uh, I was interested in, in, in recording. So I was, I did whatever I could to be in that environment. So I was like, hey, you got a studio? That's cool, man. I should come over and do some keyboards for you because why not, right? Um, so I was, I was persuasive about that because I, that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be recording music, making music, playing music. So, I mean, through those channels, I was able to find myself in, in some of the, these rooms with these guys that were working on some of the bigger projects. Some of them were kind of just like working, you know, on their cousin's recorder and whatever, having fun. And that was also good to, um, to experience as well. So on the other end of the spectrum, I, I you know, I was working with these, these guys that were doing major stuff and I was like, yeah, man, oh, what if I do this, this, that, this, that. So uh, found a way to make myself an asset to those guys. And then from there, you know, I, fell, I really, really fell in love with the process because I, I, I figured out by watching and listening to these guys what was possible. Like, you know, the, the, the type of music we were making together was like, man, they don't, this is, this sounds like, this sounds like Beyonce. <laughs> this sounds like it could go, it could go for, you know, so to me, it gave me like a level of confidence that wasn't there before, you know, working with some of the guys that were more experienced. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, I was like high school. Then I, you know, I figured out I wanted to go to recording college. So I went to Full Sail uh, University in, uh, in Orlando, Florida. Huge program. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Expensive too. So I mean, I think I think I just paid that off <laughs> a couple of years ago. But I mean, I didn't. You know, honestly, I didn't make it through the whole program. I, you know, what I ended up doing was, like I said, I mean, I talked about some of those guys that I was working with back home that were that were doing doing their thing, and I was like, I was in in school. And I was broke and I was depressed. <laughs> so it was like my girlfriend just left me. You know, I'm you know, I'm sitting in, in Orlando, Florida, like without anyone to, to be around. So it was like I was like, hmm. And this Sounds is like not the blues, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is not everyone's path, you know, um, you know, for sure, but like find your own path. I encourage that. You know, but at that time, to me, I felt like I was in a place where I could get the rest of my education or I could go just hit the real world. And in a lot of ways, it was the hardest thing I ever did. 
but it it turned out you know to be a, a a good choice for me I think after all the hardships because you know you go out there without an education nobody you know nobody wants to hire someone who's not you know who don't have a degree in some in something but in the world of audio it's okay because you don't need to necessarily have a degree to become a producer to become a songwriter to become uh, a creative in that field now if you're looking to be uh, you know uh, a if, if you're if you're looking to be an entertainment lawyer, yeah, you got to go to law school for that. But a, a lot of times, education is is you know th that that college education is going to be very important in get getting you to the next level knowledge wise. It just so happened that I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go this way, and uh, I was one of the few lucky ones that within two years I had my first Grammy. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, let me ask about Justice League. Mm -hmm. So, how did how did you guys meet? How did that come together? Or when did that start out? Oh, those I mean, those were the guys I was talking about. These guys were, you know, 6, 7 years older than me, and at at that time at that age, you know, I'm 18, 19 years old. Those guys are old to me, you know. So, and they they were they were a well bit more experienced than I was in 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 the craft of production. So they took me under their wing uh, and hired me on as a work-for-hire musician. And I worked with that company for a number of years. And after my time was up with them, I, I said I was going to start my own production company. And uh, by that time, I had also supplied them with their biggest hits. Yeah. Um, so they were like, no, don't go anywhere. Stay right here. We'll make you a partner in a company. I was like, okay, that's fine. Let's do it. So I spent um, six more years with them. And um, yeah, I mean, that's those were the guys that, you know, we really, we really paved the way for me to be where I am now. Like, you know, the, the, the it was a production company called Justice League. Uh, they're still in operation, but, uh, but together we made some of, I mean, uh, Rick Ross's biggest hit to date uh we won and were nominated for multiple grammys uh over 20 platinum plaques 20 million records sold plus i have stopped counting um so th yeah those those guys were uh those guys and i really put together quite the uh, you know qu quite quite the splash for you cool. know in, in the industry well and i want to ask you know those of us who are the listeners the consumers of music right so we see these artists you know, we hear them on, on the radio, we go see them in concert, we see them on TV. But in the recording studio, when they come in there and you as a producer, that's a sort of a expected professionalism mm -hmm. that goes into that, right? Because I remember I was talking to someone, a producer was like, oh, what so and so and so and so. And like some students like, did you get their autograph? And, uh, and he was like, no. I was like, why not? He was like, they didn't ask me for mine. Mm -hmm. And his point was, in that setting, you know, even though, like, as the producer, as the recording engineers, like, you're not the ones up on stage, but it's a partnership mm -hmm. between the artists and the producers to make those records. So I guess my question is, like, well, there's, was there ever a point that you were, like, maybe a little bit starstruck, but then you realize, well, wait a second, you know, there's a professional 
expectation on you know how this relationship works like how, what is that like working with some of some of these stars uh yeah i mean yeah no that that kicks in on rare occasions even to this day uh, is there are some some artists who really formed my style and who i grew up listening to that all of a sudden i'm in the studio with them and they're expecting me to deliver help them deliver a product um uh, there were a couple times, I mean, CeeLo Green is one of them uh, because, I, because I grew up listening to Goody Mob and the Dungeon Family, period. For some reason, when I met CeeLo, it was not in a professional setting, but it was just like I locked up. I was like, hi, what's that? Uh, yeah, yeah, good, uh, good to meet you, man. Um, you're CeeLo. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, um, so it... it that kind of caught me off guard. And then we, you know, we ended up uh, meeting each other on, on multiple other occasions and working together and whatever. Uh, Mary J. Blige is another one because she's just had such a huge impact on, on music. And um, I've worked with her on multiple occasions, but the first time was just like, hi, yes, Mrs. Mrs. Blige, yes, how are you? Miss, Ms., Ms., Mrs., how are you? Okay, yes, good, good. So it was like a little bit of nervousness, but, um, in my profession, you're going to have to, you know, get over that very quickly because they're the ones looking to you to kind of like control the atmosphere, be the pep talker, be the coach. And, you know, if they sense any kind of like any kind of apprehension or nervousness in you, it changes the whole mood. It really does. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that like you use that term coach. Mm. Because, uh, you know, I try to explain to students sometimes, like, you know, what does a music producer do? And I remember, uh, I don't know if I read it or it was a video or somewhere, and somebody was like, yeah, to be, you know, a really good music producer, you've got to be, like, a really good psychologist. Like, because you've got to look at these artists, you know, that sometimes they got these really big egos, and you're like, yeah. man, that was fantastic, that was awesome, but why don't we just do it one more time? Like, That's the thing, right, is, is, is delivering that, you know, it's it's more of our job as producers to say no than it is yes. Because the no's happen 20 times more than the yeses. So, for example, it's it's like the artist had most of the take was great and then just screwed it up at the end. What are you going to tell a superstar? Hey, you screwed it up at the end. What's wrong with you? That's not going to work, you know, because they're used to people just patting them on the back. Yeah, great job. You look amazing. You sound amazing. You know, constantly, always just being complimented. So you have to find the words and the tone to effectively get them to do it over and then and let them know like what it is that they did wrong without hurting their feelings. That's like a that's a big thing. You really have to know your crowd in in that regard. So yeah. it's often like a compliment followed by a criticism and uh, uh you know we have to do that every day <laughs> yeah and i know you know I've, I've been a teacher for a long time and i've coached my son's rec sports teams for a long time uh, i think there are a lot of parallels because i think as a teacher as a coach as a producer once our students are you know trust us and they realize that what we're doing is trying to bring out the best in them mm -hmm. 
and and they know you're trying to do that, then they usually open up to go. The wall comes down a bit, right? So now you make a great point there because there's there's after you develop a, a relationship with an artist, and uh, there's some artists I've been working with for over 10, 12, 15 years. We see each other; it's a bit, a lot more relaxed. So, you know, but the. I mean, the, I guess the positivity needs to stay in the room. So when I'm on talkback, you know, there's a little button, and I'm talking to them. They can hear me uh, on their headphones. It's, you know, with someone like that, it's like, girl, you know you could do that better. Come on, let's get one more, and we'll run it just a little bit less, a little bit less uh, transient on that T, okay? Give me, give me, and you're flat on the, on, the, on the last part, okay? Let's go. You know, so it's a bit more comfortable. Uh, but when it gets to that point, I feel like the music just takes on another level of magic because it's the comfortability, it's the trust. Yeah. She knows what I'm hearing and what I'm observing about it. Her voice is in my hands, basically. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they trust that. And that's, you know, it's an amazing point to be, you know, at with, with any artist. Because I tell students, too, that uh, I'm like, you know, anybody you listen to on the radio, anybody that's made it to the radio, the reason they're there, the reason we like them is because one day they decided they were going to try to make music. And on that day they started, it was probably terrible. Mm. But they came out the next day and they tried again and they came out the next day. And then after a while, it went from being terrible to not too bad. And mm -hmm. then, you know, but with the message being in the end, like to be successful, really in anything, but with this, like you have to stick with it. You have to work at it. You know, even you were talking about, you know, when you were 13, 14 and just experimenting with it. Like it's, it's a process you have to, I tell them you've got to be willing to make really bad music in order to learn how to make really great music. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was all terrible when I was, I mean, I, I don't have any of that back, you know, the stuff that I made, but um, maybe some of it was like, Oh, that's cute. That's cool. You know, but uh, but even even now, like there are there are bad periods for me, and I think any creator, and like accepting coming into to terms with the fact that you're not always gonna, you know, you're just not you're not a hit machine. <laughs> it's okay, you know. So just knowing to come back to it and not beating yourself up, you know, it's. Uh, I do music for a living. I wake up and I have a home studio, you know, 50 feet away. <clears throat> and uh, every day I set out to make the best I can. But there's a lot of factors that contribute to maybe, you know, it not coming out the way or maybe not. I didn't approach it the right way or I started too soon on the lead line when I should have laid down the groove first and dictated what I did off of that. And it's like, OK, learning experience every day, you know. Yeah, and do you find yourself sometimes making something, you recorded something, and you're like, oh, man, that's that's garbage. But you just put it away and then maybe come back to it. It might be days, weeks, months later and pull it back up and go, wait a second, maybe there was something there. It's, yeah, and I'll, like, it's so funny that that, you know, in the moment, the decisions you make in the moment, you can almost feel like, you're you're in the zone and you know it's you know it's great come back and sometimes it's like weird i thought that was good wow you know and sometimes it's like you know i know this is fire i'm coming back tomorrow you know pull it back up and it's like yeah yeah 
But sometimes it takes that break period of weeks or months and just like, what was that called? Let me pull this one up. Press play. Yo, why did I put that one away? That needs to go right now. Bro. I can I can send this out to so-and-so and so-and-so. It happens all the time. Yeah. Cool. It's crazy. This next segment of the audio was a Q&A time between the students and Kenny. It may be a little difficult to hear the questions that the students are asking, but I think you'll get the idea. How, how did I become good with music? I mean, I just, uh, I mean, I really thank my, my, my time at church because I was always playing every Sunday. Uh, but I basically surrounded myself with musicians that were better than me. That's the most important thing. So I could always learn. Do you still make music with other people still? Every day. Almost every day. Sometimes it's just me alone, but but when I'm working even by myself, it's most of the time working on somebody else's project. And I'll email it to them and they'll email me something back or they'll come in the next day and record a vocal with me or whatever. Definitely, always. Playing the piano, like, uh, like, do you need to play the piano to be producer? Absolutely not. You know what the most important thing, uh, the most important asset to a music producer is their ears and their trust in their ears. Knowing what you like and knowing what you don't like. Making that, it's the it's the ear, not the gear. Shout out uh, Mr. Jones for having the shirt on. <laughs> no, we didn't plan that either. I didn't plan it. I, that was no setup. Thanks. But no, no, I, I mean, some of the greatest music producers I've ever met, heard of, uh, don't play anything. Don't play anything. But for me, it's, it, helps because uh, I can communicate with musicians and be like hey man that E flat is a little sharp detune that you know detune that you know take that G down a little bit whatever and you know, we can talk the same language but it, it does it's not essential your ears and trusting your ears yes did you write your own songs yeah I still do yep a lot of what I do is uh, we write songs um, and send them out to other artists to to sing. I start to write songs sometimes. You do? Mm-hmm. You ever finish them? Not really. Ah, well, if you have anything you can record them on, um, I mean, nowadays, a phone will do. I had a dream to be a singer, so I missed out that dream, so I practice singing every day. Awesome. Awesome. What you got, Maxie? Yes. Um, so I also write music, and I kind of have some songs. Mm-hmm. Um, how do, like, when I write music, I end up finishing them, but I, like, when it comes down to me going inside of the studio, I kind of get nervous, because it's like, like, you know the song is good because you have heard it to you, so. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had an artist that, like, felt like your music wasn't good enough that you couldn't improve it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and that's, that's something that, um, I mean, it helps to have someone like, you know, another opinion that you trust in the room. So, you know, the way I would approach it is, I mean, my, my job as a producer is helping that person, helping that artist get over those humps of, of being unsure. Be like, I heard the song. You sang it for me over the phone. It's fire. You got to just commit to it, you know. So I think, I think having that other energy, you know, to kind of help you through that, that's what's helped me. And, and I and I help people through that um, often, you know. And at the back, how about you? 
many artists have you worked with? Oh, that's a that's a lot too. Um, so I can just let me name just a couple. So uh, Drake, Lil Wayne, uh, Nelly, Ludacris, uh, Rick Ross, Nicki Minaj. Uh, Nikki, yeah, uh, I love Nikki. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jay Z, um, Nas, um, Jadakiss, Future. I mean, you know, most of the most of the artists in the by far. I mean, most of the artists in in the uh, in the rap game, R and B game, we've had a, a hand in in you know uh, at least one album of theirs. And Atlanta's a big scene for oh my gosh. hip hop. Right, and that's why I landed here. I'm I'm from Central Florida originally, so you know the reason we ended up here is because we were working on the first on the very first uh, Young Jeezy album, and then at that point we started to get calls like, "Hey man, there's these three guys." That... Yep, the list goes on. You want to make some music with us? Yeah, come see see what you do. Show us a little yeah. bit about what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first I I would love to plug in a mic. Alright, first thing I like to do, I'm gonna collect some sounds. So I don't have a plan, but what we're gonna do, does anyone know what kind of mic this is? It's a dyn there's dynamic mics, ribbon mics, and condenser mics. What's what type of mic is this? Condenser? Very good, yes. And this condenser requires power. It's called uh, phantom power. 48 volts comes from the interface here. So I'm gonna have to power this mic. And you're a Logic Pro, Logic Pro, which they've got. Uh, on the, we have these on our desktops. Use it a little bit. Well, the, I mean, I set up a little bit of a template so that we can go over some of the features that 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 make music making really easy and and kind of fun too. Uh, made a couple songs like this. Uh, I recorded us produced a song for uh, Tessan Chen. She was the winner of The Voice. I started the session off with. I grabbed the mic and I was like, okay, everybody just start stomping with me. We had like eight people just stomp. Put that in and uh, and we started the song off like that. I added a piano. The song ended up, you know, she ended up performing that song on <laughs> national TV. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Just three months later. So it's, you know, it's really cool what you can do and how you can start a song. It doesn't always have to start the same. So, all right. We need everyone participating. Y'all ready to do some claps? All right, so what I'm going to do is one, two, three, clap. One, two, three, clap. One, two, three, One, two, three. One, two, three. There we go. Beautiful. I actually can turn this up just a little bit more. All right, now let's do some chants. Called his gang gang vocals. <laughs> gang gang. All right, all right, gang gang. Let's go do some uh, same format. So I'm gonna do one, two, three, eight. One, two, three, eight. All right. I need it. I need eight. Like loud. One, two, three, eight. One, two, three, eight. One. Let me get. Mm. Woo! One, two, three. Woo! One, two, three. 
Woo! All right. Let me get. Woo! One, two, three. Woo! Let me get one more. One, two, three. Woo! Beautiful. So yeah, I just I just found another workaround to do the exact same thing that I was trying to do, which is a strip <coughs> silence, and it, it just kind of like found all the silence and I just strip it out. But now what we're gonna do is turn this into a sampler instrument. So all that is now on my keyboard. So I'm just gonna put uh, some effects on there real quick, just uh, and then we'll be ready to build this beat up. See that guy? is a little bit of a low end. Yeah, I, I use loops a lot, but I make my own loops a lot of times because I don't like to use loops that everyone else has. Every couple weeks, I make sure to pull out all the percussion, pull out mics, and just make a bunch of loops because stuff like this just gets an idea flowing. So a lot of times, I'll start with a little loop that I made myself. that that means it's putting everything in grid basically so sometimes you don't want to quantize it because you want it to sound human but right now I want it to be right on right on tempo so quantize is the thing that helps kind of put things on in time process that I talked to y'all about is that you start off just coming up with an idea first, right? You listen, you play along with it, you hit on something you like, yep. now let's record it. Anytime you record in real time, next thing you do, quantize, move on, right? Yep. And you saw, I mean, I, I settled on one snare and I was like, yeah, and then I was like, nah, it's okay. It's okay to settle on one thing and, and, and decide later that you don't like it. It's all right. Just keep it moving, you know? So, that's fine. Uh, 
yeah, have arpeggiators on these. On in Logic, you can add MIDI effects, so it, it kind of repeats the note for me. And I I love using this on hi hat because you can just like press one note and it repeats it for you, or you can go slower. So I love the little sprinkler hi hats. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. That. I'll send that right to Drake after we're done here. <laughs> Thank you. 
more sound from you guys. Chipmunk mode, and then we got groove mode right there. That sounds, that's got attitude to it. Okay. I'm using this filter to kind of take it lo-fi a little bit. Sounds like a dog. song, we get it performed, I'll, after they're done uh, recording, I'll add everything like drum fills and all the stuff that kind of like keeps the record moving, I'll add it after the vocals are done. So, that's it. Hey, you can now go tell all your friends. That you have recorded with a Grammy Award winning <laughs> producer. Hey. And he can now add McConnell uh, Middle School to his list of artists he's worked there with. You go. Right? Hey, and that's going to do it for this episode of Mutech Teacher Talk. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you to Kenny Bartolome for spending the time with my students. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and maybe got some inspiration for some things that you can do in your classroom. In the meantime, this has been Heath with the Music Technology Teacher Network, www.mutechteachernet.com. And I hope you'll follow along our social media, Facebook and Instagram at Mutech Teacher Net. And I also would invite you to subscribe to my YouTube channel that is at Mutech Teacher Net, where I have videos that I've posted and created for my students, as well as videos that I've created for teachers. Also available at your favorite bookseller is my book, published by Hal Leonard, Music Technology 101, where I go over the fundamentals of starting a music technology program, the equipment needed, and some really great ideas and resources for building a curriculum and lesson plans. In the meantime, this has been Heath with the Music Technology Teacher Network. Advocate, support, inspire, create. Teacher Network. Music. Technology. Teacher Network.